You're listening to Bunker Labs Presents, a crash course in small business finance, a limited edition podcast series featuring subject matter experts from the Bunker community to discuss what you need to know about finance in order to set yourself up for success from day one. This series is brought to you by our partners at Intuit, the global technology platform that helps business owners of all shapes and sizes to achieve financial confidence. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, host of the Transition Podcast and voice of the Bunker. Now that we've given you an overview of small business finance, in our fifth and final episode of this limited edition series, we'll be covering strategies and tactics for positioning your business for long-term sustainable growth with or without capital. At a high level, this means setting a strategic vision for your business, including writing a business plan, and at the ground level, effectively managing your business day-to-day, including establishing a weekly battle rhythm, executing quarterly planning, and in general, just being an effective executive. To bring home this final point with me is QuickBooks guru, Stacy Kildall, founder of Kildall Services, a full-service bookkeeping, payroll, and technology consulting company specializing in QuickBooks and QuickBooks-related products and services. Stacy's been providing accounting and bookkeeping services to small business owners for over 20-plus years, and she understands what it takes to build and maintain a sustainable business. She comes highly regarded by the Intuit team, so I'd figured what better way for us to close out this series. You can learn more about Stacy and her company at the link in the show notes. And as always, we don't have all the answers this series, but we can point you in the right direction. So make sure you're tuned in and paying attention. Stacy, welcome to A Crash Course in Small Business Finance. I'm energized to have you on this episode as we talk about positioning ourselves for long-term sustainable growth. I know you've been working with small business owners for two decades at this point. You're a bookkeeping ninja, you're a QuickBooks ninja, and I think we're going to dive into some good stuff today. And at this point on the series, you know, our listeners understand how to set themselves up for success from day one by separating their personal finances and their business finances. They understand the, the three financial statements. They understand cash flow management. But what we haven't gone over yet is what does it look like once you're in it now, right? So, you know, six months turns to a year, a year turns to two years. But early on, you've got to make some decisions in, i.e., setting a battle rhythm, setting a cadence of accountability to actually run your business efficiently. And so I'm excited to dive into that with you today. Same. Me too. Thanks for having me, by the way. I really appreciate it. So before we get into all that, please bring our listeners up to speed on who you are and your background and how you got here today. My name is Susie Kildall, like you said, and I own and operate Kildall Services, LLC. We are a full service bookkeeping firm and I'm located in White Lake, Michigan. And nobody can see me, but because I live in Michigan, I'm obligated to hold my hand up and do the mitten, the hand map. I have been working with QuickBooks in some way, shape or form since 1998, 99. I have been I've been doing books on my own with my as with my own company since 2003. The LLC was actually started in 2005. I worked as a as a contractor for a couple of years. I was the original author of the QuickBooks Online certification exam. I was the very first person to get certified in QuickBooks Online as well as the very first pro advisor to get certified in Intuit's payroll certification recently as well. So, if it's QuickBooks, I know it and or I do it basically. But the fact that you've ran your business over two decades is super impressive. Is it three decades at this point? Oh my gosh, I'm not that old. It's only two decades. 
So Only two decades. It's about 20 years. Yeah. So 20 started years. And on my own in 20, 2003. LLC was formed in 2005. One of the reasons I like to reference staying alive is because I think a lot of small business owners get it wrong early on, right? That first year when it's rough, you just got to stay afloat. You know, you got to figure it out. And the reason yes. I think it's important to have you on, having that two decades of experience, you've gone through a recession, you've gone through a pandemic, right? It's many of your clients as well, you've seen the ones that have come out surviving and thriving, and you've seen the ones that have to close their doors. And so let's prevent our listeners from doing that today by thinking strategically about growing their businesses. And so I guess let's go ahead and start with business planning. And I know in the old days, people say, oh, you have an idea for a business and we're going to focus on our makers today. So let's say we're making soap and we have this great idea to take our soap to market. We're going to sell it to veterans. It's handmade. It's organic. Yada, yada, yada. Right. And at this point, old school was what? Build a business plan, project your financials, yada, yada, yada. But the new school, what do they teach? They teach lean startup methodology. And part of it is actually realizing, like, do you have a product that's worth selling before you spend all this time, money, and energy? So they validate the business model. They're driving some revenue. And now we got to go back and start revisiting. All right, we need to come up with a strategic business plan. And in your experience, what does that look like for small business owners? I still will recommend doing old school. I really, I mean, it's great once you get started. And I know a lot of people have, like, let's say the soap business. This may start as a side gig, right? So it might be just something that somebody does on the side where they think they have a market for it. They start out, maybe they're still working a full-time job. And so as this kind of like side gig starts, you know, picking up, speed and there is a market for it, I still think it is a really good, especially with a product base instead of a service base, I think it is really beneficial to go through and do like that formal old school business plan. I still think it's very helpful because it's a really good exercise in what is my demographic? What is my market? How am I going to get to that market? What is my budget? What are my fixed costs? What are my variable costs? How am I going to pay myself? What does it look like to grow? You know, people define growth in in different ways. So what does that look like? Does growth look like just a lot of automation and being able to run it really lean or, you know, with very few employees or does growth look like I want to have 10 employees? So I think it's, that's still a really important process to go through in order to figure out where you're going to be. And even if it's just you handwrite it on a piece of paper or you just make a Google Doc, it's really good to put that down so that you have an idea of what the business is, what your core values are, and what the purpose of it, of doing it is, really. One of the things I try to tell people is that when you do go through that process, it does improve your business acumen. Just going down, writing it down on paper having to answer certain questions. But I know, like a lot of our listeners, it can be so overwhelming early on because I just want to get out there, Stacy. right? I've already got my pop-up going. Now you're right. telling me that I got to slow down to speed up and create a business plan? Are you sure? Yes. And that's the thing I will say is you don't have to sit down and do it all at once. I call it Mount St. Laundry. At my old, it's the Mount St. Laundry plan is what I call it. And by that, it's at our old house, the first house that my husband and I bought, it was built in the forties. And so it had a laundry chute. Obviously those are not allowed anymore because of building codes, but what was really great because we could just throw all our dirty clothes down and they'd end up in the basement on the floor 
in front of the, the washroom, like right directly in front of the washing machine in the basement. The problem with that is I would go downstairs and I'd see this giant thigh high <laughs> pile of laundry and just keep walking past it because it was really overwhelming, right? And so the way I look at these kind of business tasks that are overwhelming as well is break them apart, separate you know, the dark clothes from the red clothes, from the white clothes, you know, and make little piles. And so do it in increments. So when you're working on something like a business plan, you can say, okay, first of all, what is my demographic? What is the market? What are the customers? Who are the customers that I'm trying to reach? And if you already have something going, you can take a look at that. You can put into place like surveys, you know, on your website or ask people who are purchasing from you if you have a pop-up. Where are they coming from? What are they looking for? Just start with that piece. And then the next day, or maybe even the next week, you can sit down and you can do the next part of the business plan. You don't have to sit down and do it all at once. And I, you know, a lot of people are really kind of on the fence about all the AI stuff and, you know, the chat GPT. It's a really great tool if you have a great prompt to say, you know, can you, here's the the facts that I have. Can you, you know, have it write you a, a, a business plan or at least start it? That's not going to be set in stone and that's not going to be the final draft, but it's a really good jumping off point for you to get that business plan going because it'll at least give you the outline and it'll give you the basics of what you have. So you can use tools like that as well. So just, you don't have to do it all at once. Just start small and then, you know, do add pieces later. I think an important thing to think about, too, is a lot of these entrepreneurs are going to look to raise capital at some point, right? Maybe they reach a point where they're kind of stagnant. And let's say you go into a CDFI, local community development, financial institution, your community bank, et cetera, right? You can't just go off the cuff explaining them your business idea. They're going to want some assets, right? And one easy asset to hand them is that business plan so they can already see how you're thinking strategically about growing your business. And one of the things that I want to say is if you are struggling with it and it's not your jam to do something like a business plan, there are a lot of resources out there. I'm sure you guys have something that, you know, it sounds like you guys have a whole lot of resources that you can offer. You can talk to your local SBDC center. You can find a SCORE mentor that may be able to help you. There are a lot of resources out there to help you at least get that business plan going. And like you said, when you go in and you want to get financials, they're going to want to say, you know, or you want to get a loan, they're going to say, hey, what's the business plan? Do you have any reporting? And the and the first step really is that business plan. And there are tons of tons of resources out there to help you get that going. And what I'll do is I'll include a link to some of those resources in the show notes. I even had Award in Business School professor, I believe it was Patrick Fitzgerald, who came on the Transition Podcast, and we went over his business plan and process, and it's absolutely nice. fantastic. Nice. So I appreciate you highlighting that. Again, there's tons of resources out there on business planning. I think the thing that we're trying to emphasize, though, is you have to start taking your business seriously. You're investing a lot of time, energy, and resources into it. And so now, at this phase, you got to start getting stuff down on paper and you've got to kind of make that transition from being just a pure scrappy entrepreneur going off of instinct to really taking the time to get thoughts on paper and position yourself for, again, long term sustainable growth. 
and as well as the business plan, you're also going to want to at least, I mean, you can use like something, an Excel spreadsheet, or if you're working on a Mac, you can use numbers, Google Sheets, any kind of spreadsheet just to track your money in and out. You don't have to have like, I'm a QuickBooks person. I love QuickBooks. I use it all day long. I support all my clients with it. But that being said, if you're not ready to make that jump, you're still going to want to at least be tracking all of your costs from day one, as well as all of your sales, even in just something as simple as a spreadsheet. We can always take that someone like me, you know, a pro advisor, a bookkeeper, accountant can always take that spreadsheet and move it into an accounting system and make it, you know, a readable, you know, P&L, you know, financial statement, balance sheet, whatever we need. We can take those numbers. I love it when I get a client that has is a brand new business and they at least have a spreadsheet. It's I love it. I want to just hug them and just call them George, hug them and love them and and tell them they're doing great because those are the amazing clients because they really from the get right from the jump are taking their business seriously and they're tracking all of that, the money in and the money out. I try to tell people, you know, when you first become an entrepreneur, you assume that it's all the magazines and the shiny stuff and doing the interviews. But those of us in the trenches realize we spend a lot of time in Google Docs or Microsoft Word <laughs> or in Excel, right? Because part of this, what makes it hard is, you know, you have to make it real. And a yep. lot of that work is done by writing and crunching in numbers and doing, I mean, that's the real entrepreneurship. The other yeah. stuff is the fun stuff, but the work gets done, you know, in, in the Google Docs and Excel. Exactly. And it's also, there's a lot of time that we spend when you first start just hustling, trying to get out there and let people know, you know, that you're out there. When I first started, it was back in 2002, 2003, and people were still putting in want ads in the newspaper. And so I can remember I would go through want ads, look through the want ads, anybody that was hiring a part-time bookkeeper. And I had a whole like marketing things set up, like collateral, like this is the cost, the cost difference between hiring someone direct. This is how much money you can save if you hire me. So a lot of people, it's not all super fun and getting to sit back and kind of, you know, run, like be the boss, being the boss when you first start takes so much, it takes a lot of time. And like you said, you do spend so much time in spreadsheets, at least in spreadsheets, just working on the business sometimes is a little bit more than working in the business. So as we start to continue to make that transition from just pure hustling, now we got to get some efficiency in our business. And so I like to call this the blocking and tackling, right? How do entrepreneurs efficiently block and tackle, you know, Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday on then you start thinking about monthly and quarterly basis. And I think it starts by first, coming up with a cadence of accountability of some sort. So even if you're one of one, right, having a calendar and saying, okay, I'm going to do my team meetings, right, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 30 minutes to an hour, and what am I doing during that time, right? I'm setting my priorities for the week. I'm tracking them. I'm, count I'm looking at our sales, right? Let's say, let's use our soap example, and let's say I'm selling soap online. What were our online sales? You know, how much do we get from our local pop-up? What do we need to think about a month out, right? Just kind of having some kind of cadence accountability to actually run the business. And so in your experience for entrepreneurs that are just starting out, what does that look like? And how have you coached them on that transition, you know, through bookkeeping? 
So what we do is one of the first, I love the fact that you're like, block it out. So I am, I live and die by my calendar. And I, for a lot of my clients, I tell them, set that time aside, block it out. Like, just like you said, where you can go over and you can review your numbers. If you're selling online, like you said, look and see where are the, you know, where are the the sales coming from? Because almost every, you know, e-commerce site shows you where the visitors are, where, what kind of time are they spending on your site? Are they, where are they hovering and, and staying and when are they dropping off? So you really need to block out time like that to really figure out where, where the sales are coming from so that you can start planning on your marketing. And the other thing that I will tell them is not only block it out on your calendar, but the other thing that they're going to want to start doing is really looking at what do they want it to, where do they want the sales to be? And then reviewing all of that stuff, you know, at least on a weekly basis when they first start, you can move to to monthly. You have to have your number somewhere. And that's what's really important. That's why, I mean, even if you're using, you know, like a spreadsheet, ideally, I think it's a little bit easier to manipulate the data if you're using, you know, a, a, an accounting software, a bookkeeping software, even quick, not just necessarily QuickBooks Online, but you can also look at something like QuickBooks Self-Employed when you first start. But really understanding that, and as far as the accountability, there are a lot of, of free resources like we talked about. You can hire a business coach if you have the funds to do that. And make sure that if you're working with some kind of coach, that when they are assigning you homework, that the next time you meet with them, you are reviewing that homework. What I see a lot of times is my clients will hire some sort of coach and then they'll get assigned to do some homework. And then the next week, the homework never comes up and they're like, why am I bothering to do this work that my coach gave me to do? It's really about budget as well. So Obviously, I'm a big fan of off, you know, like offboarding the stuff that you are didn't start your business to do. I did not start my business to do SEO or to do Google ads to create Google ads. So I when I first started, I didn't have the funds, so I had to do that myself and learn it myself. Now that I'm up and running and a lot of businesses they can start pushing that stuff off and that's why I tell my clients, did you start your business to do bookkeeping, to do bank reconciliations? And every one of them says no. And I said, well, then I did. So that's why it's time to set that aside. You're making enough money and you have to really understand where you need to spend your time in your business as well. Like that's another really big piece of the puzzle in, in growing and moving forward is, am I spending the right amount of time? doing these tasks or can I put that in somebody else's lap and have them take care of it as well? I appreciate you bringing up coaching because I'm a professional business coach as well. And I've had a coach since 2019. And I tell people I will never run a business again without having a coach and a virtual assistant. I think that's my order for starting ventures, right? I'll get a coach, then I'll get my virtual assistant, and then I'll continue to scale up from there because it is just so hard and it's easy for us founders to get caught in a whirlwind. And like you said, we need someone to keep us accountable and make sure we're focusing on the right things. And I love the fact that you, I love having a VA. I love 
I, that was one of the greatest decisions I've ever made too with my business. I completely agree. I also, I don't necessarily have a coach, but I have some people that have been in business for a really long time. They are very successful. So it's not necessarily like a coaching thing, but it's more of a mentor thing. Like, Hey, when I have an issue, like, Hey, I have this problem. Can I talk to you about it? So even if you can't afford a coach right away, if you can find you know, a group of people, or at least one or two people, maybe somebody who does something similar to what you do. So you can talk to them about their experience, but somebody that you really respect and that's really successful that you can draw on and say, Hey, I have this situation. What would, you know, if you were in a situation like that, what would you do? That has been, I mean, just absolutely. I, I don't even know what I would do without those people that I talk to about that kind of stuff. So I'm all about coaching and mentors and that kind of stuff. Now, I know initially I said, hey, you know, you want to start, you know, setting a cadence of accountability, having meetings with yourself or your team at least three times a week early on. And the reason I say that, Stacey, is Jim Collins talks about starting a venture, like moving a giant heavy flywheel. So when you first start, right, it's like turning really slow and it's hard to get things going. But the more spins you get, it gets easier, it gets easier, and it gets easier. And one thing I've noticed with a lot of small business owners I've had on the podcast or even I've coached and helped them get started is they treat their business like an undisciplined baby. It goes to sleep (laughs) when it wants. It gets up when it wants. It eats whatever it wants. And if you're only checking your baby once a week, you know, a lot happens in between that time, especially when you still don't have your systems and your processes dialed in. And God forbid you go longer than that. And now it's like every time you jump on a meeting, you're having to kick up momentum instead of maintaining momentum. So I encourage people to, you know, especially if you get a partner, let's say you get a co-founder or something, right? What do you need to do early on? You'll need to start that rhythm. Y'all are meeting frequently. You're getting stuffed out in. But as you get more efficient, then you can start to lay off. And maybe you don't have to meet with such intensity. I have just found that early on, when I brought on my virtual assistant meeting once a week, there was too much time in between. She couldn't get inside my head yet to stay mm. two to three steps ahead of me. So more touch points early on, and then you can ease off. That's just my recommendation. I think that's a really good idea. And for somebody who like that may not work for them, because I know for me, if I had to meet with somebody three times a week, it would kill my soul. It just, it, it just, it would. But what I use with the the people that have worked for me is we have, we use Slack all the time. And so we are constantly in touch and checking in on projects. I mean, I've been working with Woody for, I mean, he was my business partner with the podcast for 10 years, and now he's handling some project work with me and some accountant, you know, accounting work and bookkeeping stuff. And It's almost daily where we're touching base at least daily if we have a special project going on. What's your status? Do you need any help? Where are we with this? Or he'll come in. So even if you're maybe not meeting, if you have another tool that maybe you don't have to block out time, but you can at least touch base with that person, some sort of messaging tool, especially if you're remote, I really recommend that as well. One thing I want to challenge our listeners to do as well as what does a work week look like at your company? So what's yeah. going on on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, right? And this is, the, this is where you start to separate yourself from your business. Because I know a lot of times early on, especially when you're that solo founder hooking and jabbing out there, right? So much of your business is tied to your identity. 
But this goes back to your business plan we talked about. The business plan and process is where you start to separate the business from you. And so you might have your routine Monday through Friday, but what does your business routine look like Monday through Friday? Start factoring in social media. Start factoring in checking your numbers, right? So you can actually create almost like a little Asana board or a calendar for the week that says Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday. If you're doing pop-ups on the weekend, this is what's happening at my company. So I'll say Ironbound Media, for example. On Mondays, we have our team stand-ups. Tuesdays, you know, I'm recording podcasts, right? Wednesdays, I'm doing lead gen. I'm hunting. Thursdays, et cetera. And so right. like at a 30,000-foot view, even when I'm away and I'm away on travel, vacation, et cetera, I know what's happening in my business throughout the week. I love that. I love that. And I like, again, I think that's great. I live and die by my calendar. So anybody that's working with me knows this is what I'm doing as well. Like in the, I'm, I'm a big early morning person. Sometimes I'm up at five o'clock. Sometimes I'm up at four 30 getting stuff done. And I think that's a really, really beneficial thing to be able to say every Tuesday, we're going to be doing this every Thursday, we're going to be doing this so that everybody on board understands. And one of the things that you said is even when you're a soul, when you're on your own and you're first starting, I have talked to so many business owners over the last, you know, two decades who are like, well, it's just me. And I always answer right now. It's just you right now. So let's get all of the ducks in a row. Let's get all of the processes. Let's get whatever tools that you think you're going to need down the road. Let's get them set up now so that when you start taking over the world with your business, all of those systems are in place. And it's just a matter that schedule, those systems, those processes, all of them are in place. So it's just a matter of coming in and showing the person that you're hiring. This is how we do it. And, and this is the first process to start scaling yourself, right? That's yes. really what we're talking about because yes. just like you said, you bring that virtual assistant on. If you're sporadic, you have no systems and processes dialed in, even with that basic weekly calendar of what's taking place, they're not going to know what to prioritize. And exactly. you're never going to be able to take a vacation because you're always going to be have to do stuff. But once you can start building it out, now you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And yep. you're like, oh, I can have somebody cover down on Wednesday, you know, yep. what's my zone of genius? What's the one thing I can do that no one else on my team can? And how can I cover down? And we're going to talk about this next as we start thinking about the importance of quarterly planning mm -hmm. and reviewing the numbers on a quarterly basis in addition to that weekly and monthly. And right. I'm going to tell on myself, right? Okay. I didn't get an MBA. I think I operated my business the first year, not even knowing what quarterly planning was. It wasn't until I got a business coach and we had our quarterly retreats. And that was when I was like, oh, okay, I got to do these 90 day sprints. Right. And then I assess at the end of 90 days, mm -hmm. assess some more parties and go after it and get it again. And I think this is important for our listeners to know because they're going to feel overwhelmed. They're one of two, one of one. Maybe they got three people, but they're a small business owner. They don't have a big team. Might not even be paying themselves a salary yet. But guess what? You got 90 days to set a plan yep. and work yourself towards that goal. So let's say in virtual assistant, mm -hmm. people are like, I can never afford a virtual assistant, yada, yada, yada. Well, what if you say, hey, I'm going to spend the next 90 days focus on this revenue number. Mm -hmm. And if I can hit that revenue number, that's going to allow me to bring on a virtual assistant. Exactly. Or you say, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet. 
I don't think I can afford them now, but I'm going to go ahead and invest in a virtual assistant. Even if I take a loss, right, it's only going to be for three months instead of X, Y, and Z. And so this is how you start to actually think about planning when you're blocking and tackling. So that's why I like the quarterly planning. I love that. And the other thing, too, to keep in mind with that, I love, absolutely positively love that. The the whole idea of I know that I can't afford it right now. That's that's a really tough hurdle for a lot of small business, especially new businesses to get over. And it's okay, especially if you know that it's going to be short term, because the time that you are going to free up to actually build your business, build that revenue by having somebody else take stuff off your plate, you'll be able to see that right away. And the other thing about the about any kind of planning is it's not set in stone. You can kind of shift and you can make, you know, you can sort of, you know, make adjustments on the fly as you need to, as you're going through. If you say, okay, you know what, I'm, I think I'm going to have to take a loss for three months. So I'm going to hire this virtual assistant. And if you find after the first month that holy moly, like you are actually, you have enough time, you've been able to, you know, double your revenue or increase your revenue, you know, 5% or whatever. Now you can kind of adjust that quarterly plan for the other two months because maybe something happened unexpectedly or that's the other thing with planning is really what I'm getting at is you don't have to, it's not set in stone and you can, it's a living, breathing thing any of these goals and these plans. So don't sweat it. Like, that's what I always tell everybody. Like you're not saving lives. If you're selling soap, you're really not saving lives and, you know, hiring a virtual assistant, that's not a life, you know, a life or death thing. You can just make adjustments if you need to. So I love to be saying like, it's okay. I'm really glad that you said like, it's okay to work at a loss for a little bit of time if you understand that. And on the other side of that, if something happens and you're not able to cover that, then you know what? You just kind of maybe back off with that, you know, assistant or whatever that expenditure is and say, maybe I'll regroup and I'll pick up in another three months or in another, you know, six months or whatever and try again. But see, I think that's the art and science of entrepreneurship. Right. Like because part of what we have to do is step out on faith. You can't you're never going to have all the data. At a certain point, you've got to make decisions that create action. Sometimes it's ripping the bandaid off and you're actually forcing that change. You're manifesting that vision for yourself. I have been there, y'all. Literally, when I was like, there's no way I can get a virtual assistant. It's never going to happen. Then literally I hired a virtual assistant two weeks later. I got my biggest donation ever for my nonprofit, which was like $20,000, simply because I had so much unread emails, that back catalog, not been able to get people scheduled, et cetera. And so just having that support. And what that taught me was I had to learn to think differently. So when you're thinking about these big decisions, I want you to think about this. What's the best case scenario? And what's the potential worst case scenario? So let's say, we talk about virtual assistant and let's say it's $500 a month for what, 20 hours or something. All right. Worst case scenario, you do it for three months, you lose out on $1,500. Best case scenario, you have a new standard of living for yourself as a business owner because you're no longer in your email inbox. You're no longer scheduling things. You don't feel like you're going at stuff alone. You now have this team member. So there's a lot of potential upside. And so I challenge you all you got to learn to think about opportunity and say, hey, again, 
Best case scenario, what can happen? Worst case scenario. I do this with coaching. I do this with investing in marketing. It's the same thing. Learn to live your life through these like 90-day windows, coming back, reassessing. And because that, that could happen as well, right? You say, hey, we're going to try this out for 90 days. We get there. I don't know yet. That's the point where you say, am I going to cut ties or am I going to try to give it another 90 days? Exactly. I, 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 <laughs> it's exactly what the, like your perspective is the same as my perspective. And I'm a big list maker. So as you're talking about like worst case scenario, best case scenario, what I was going through is this is what I tell like a lot of times my clients. I used to do a lot of coaching with other QuickBooks um, pro advisors. I don't necessarily do that. I really just focus on my bookkeeping now. But what I would do is always tell them, just make a list, like whatever this choice that you are struggling to make, make a list of all the pros and the cons. I'm a huge fan of like making lists and going through and really saying, okay, what are all the pros? If I do this, what are all the good things that will happen? What might all the bad things happen? Basically like what you said. And I'm a, like I said, I'm a big list maker. And if you are on the like fence about making any kind of big decision about your business, just like I said, list making, it's, it's, it's an amazing tool. So I want to bring this home with everything that we're talking about today. And what it really comes down is setting yourself up for success with left and right lateral limits by focusing on the basics, right? The basics of having a business plan, going through the thought process of, hey, what does long-term sustainable growth look like on paper in my head? And again, at the end of the day, you still got to go out and validate it, but at least you're going into it with a plan. Do you have some kind of cadence of accountability for yourself and your team? Remember, it can be weekly, monthly, that includes quarterly, right? But then also reassessing every 90 days to see, hey, what progress have you made? Where are the strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities? What are some of the trends? Where can you improve? And one thing I'll tell you this too, Stacey, I think a lot of times we overestimate on what we can get done. So when you are starting to do this quarterly planning, when you're planning your weeks, et cetera, you'll create this list of all these things that you want to get done. And then you get to the end of the week, and you didn't get any of it done. Or maybe you got one of them. And guess what it does? It kills your confidence. Same thing with quarterly planning. You set all of these objectives you were going to do for the quarter. You were going to launch this marketing plan. You were going to create these strategic partnerships. Then you get to the quarter, end of the quarter, you didn't do any of it. And so this is where the art and science of it comes from. I think you need to get some base hits, right? Get really good at setting a goal for the week and accomplishing it. Then add in some more goals, right? Same thing for quarterly planning. I go back now and I literally have one to two and I have a team of like five mm -hmm. and we focus on one to two goals per quarter because we oh, just weren't great. hitting it before. And the other thing too that you can do is even if you do have a few, like a handful of goals, look and see why did you not hit those? Is it because you got pulled in too many directions? Maybe the, those are some things that you can like put, you know, ask that virtual assistant to do, or maybe this is a time where you realize that, you know what, maybe it is time for me to bring on and hire somebody even on a part-time basis to help me get these things done. So I, you know, reducing goals, I think is a, I mean, I do think that a lot of people, I do this myself. I make a to-do list every day. <laughs> and then I love to cross the things off the to-do list. And then I redo the to-do list for everything that I didn't get done during the day. But at the end of the day, I look at the list and I say, why didn't I, what, 
what, what, what happened where I was not able to get this done? And when I first started doing that, that's when I realized one, I need to hire somebody to help me. This was like 10 years ago. I need to hire somebody to help me to do the work. And also I need a virtual assistant and I need somebody to, to manage all my Google ads and to help me with my marketing. And so now I don't put any of that stuff on my to-do list. And so that's the other thing is maybe evaluate what it is that you're trying to get done. And if it's too much, take some things off and reduce the goals, like you said, or what are some things that I can have somebody else and hire somebody that, you know, hire them to do. And like you said, maybe at first I can't really afford it, but I think down the line, if, if it is something that is giving you time to build your business, it's going to be completely worth it. And I think I'm going to do a follow-up podcast on this, if I haven't done so already on the transition, just kind of talking about what does it look like on a weekly and monthly basis to run your business? Because this is the real grind y'all. Yeah. After the endorphins wear off of starting your business, <laughs> you're all excited. Now you're in it and it can feel overwhelming. Can right. Be. But again, that's why you got to get some efficiencies in place. So you're prepared for success. And so as we close out here, Stacy, you're the last guest we've had on this series. We've been really trying to prepare our listeners about, you know, what they need to know for finance, because, again, one in the spectrum, you can feel overwhelmed and think you need some MBA or something. But you and I know that's not necessarily the case. And so I only have a high school diploma. I don't even have an associate's degree. So you don't need an MBA at all. And so as we close out here, what part and words of advice would you like to leave our listeners with? I would say don't try to do everything all at once. I am a big fan of taking and looking at the big picture and breaking it down into little tiny bites, right? And and tackling them one at a time. And and ask for help. I mean, really, honestly, I think the biggest thing, as I'm saying this, is if you need help, seek it out and ask it. I teach my kids. I teach my clients. I teach. I used to teach my coaching clients this. Asking for help is a win-win for everybody. You feel good for being getting the help and the person being asked feels good that they're being asked to, to offer the help and that they have some expertise and experience. So, you know small bites, small tasks, you know, break it down and, and then ask for help. Those would be my two biggest, biggest pieces of advice for anybody starting their business. Well, you've given us so much of your time and energy as a community of veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses all over the country, all over the world. How can we support your business, Stacey K? Oh, I mean, everybody should hire me to have them do their book. Have me do their books. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll be sure to include a link to your website in the show notes. What's your website? How can people get a hold of you if they want um, to reach out? My blog is stacyk, S-T-A-C-Y-K.net. And then my business website is killedallservices.com. And thank awesome. you so much for having me. And thank you for everything that you're doing for the community. Really an honor to be able to work with you guys again. It's been a pleasure having you on with us today. Thanks a lot. Here at The Bunker, we realize everyone doesn't have a strong financial background. So to help ease the burden of your entrepreneurial journey, we've partnered with Intuit, the global technology platform that helps business owners of all shapes and sizes to achieve financial confidence. To learn more about their suite of products serving small business owners like yourself, visit Intuit.com. Be sure to also visit BunkerLabs.org to learn more about all the amazing programs and support the Bunker community is providing veterans and military spouses.